Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Today's story is The Bramwell Who Cried Wolf as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Did I ever tell you the story of the time my no-good brother Bramwell cried wolf? asked Nanny Piggins. Was he being attacked by a wolf at the time? asked Michael. Not the big bad wolf, said Boris. I've heard so many stories about him, and they're all terrible. If I saw him, I wouldn't cry wolf. I'd just scream and run. If only Bramwell had done that, said Nanny Piggins. He wouldn't have got himself in the predicament he did. I'm already confused, said Michael. Maybe you should start telling us the story from the beginning, suggested Derek. I suppose I could do it that way, said Nanny Piggins. Chronological storytelling is traditional, but filmmakers get to use flashbacks, so I don't see why I shouldn't get to as well. But how did he get in a position where there was a wolf, asked Samantha. I thought Bramwell was so lazy, he never left the house except to go to the chocolate factory where he worked in waste disposal. Bramwell had a job licking the equipment clean at the end of the day. Well, he got fired, said Nanny Piggins, ironically for being too good at his job. He licked the chocolate making machines with so much enthusiasm that he swallowed a crucial part of the equipment. They had to order a placement spare part from Germany and they lost a week of chocolate production in the meantime. Nanny Piggins stifled a sob. It was a tragedy. I'm surprised it wasn't all over the news. So much chocolate left unmade. There, there, Sarah said Boris comfortingly. It's over now. Let it go. Yes, agreed Nanny Piggins. So this story all started when Bramwell left the chocolate factory in disgrace and got a job looking after mountain sheep. What? said Michael. Was he qualified to do that? asked Derek. Not at all, said Nanny Piggins. But you see, the thing is, so few people want to spend all night on a freezing cold mountaintop watching filthy, stinking sheep. That's a bit harsh, Sarah, chided Boris. I know, darling, said Nanny Piggins, but you've met sheep. You have to concede it's true. Boris nodded. It was true. I assume your father never allowed you to keep sheep as pets, Nanny Piggins inquired. The children shook their heads. They are very well-meaning, sweet-natured beasts, said Nanny Piggins, but also very stupid and very filthy. It's not really their fault. You see, humans grow them for their wool, so they get all big and fluffy as they dutifully fulfil this task. But sheep do not have opposable thumbs. They've barely got bendable limbs. So when they go to the toilet, they have no way of wiping their bottoms. Oh, said Michael. I don't want to listen, said Boris, covering his ears. I know, agreed Nanny Piggins. I don't like to talk of such things, especially when we're so close to the next mealtime. But we've just finished breakfast, said Derek. I know, said Nanny Piggins, so it's only 45 minutes to second breakfast, and I don't want to spoil that meal. But the fact remains that sheep have poor personal hygiene. They smell. Now, children, 
Imagine the smell of one of these sheep. Then think about it. Sheep always gather in large flocks, sometimes hundreds at a time. So imagine that smell times by hundreds and hundreds. Oh, it'd be horrible, wailed Boris. He clapped his hands over his nose now. So when the job of night shepherd was advertised in the local newspaper, no one was rushing to apply, said Nanny Piggins. But why did Bramwell apply, asked Samantha. I thought he was amazingly lazy. Oh, he is, said Nanny Piggins, but he is a Piggins, and we all have very fast metabolisms, so we have to eat a lot of chocolate cake to survive, and that costs money. He had to get a job, and he thought Night Shepherd would suit him. Why? asked Michael. Well, he figured it would be night, said Nanny Piggins. Everyone would be asleep, even the sheep would be asleep, so all he had to do was sit and do nothing. Bramwell has many faults, but he is excellent at doing nothing. One could even say that it's his one great talent. I thought running away was his one great talent, said Derek. Oh, yes, agreed Nanny Piggins. I never realised he had two great talents. Well, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised. He is a Piggins, after all. So anyway, said Nanny Piggins, he set to work on his first night, sitting down on a rock, watching the sleeping sheep. Down below him in the town, the lights went out one by one as all the residents went to bed, and Bramwell was all alone with nothing but the moonlight to see by. Fortunately, sheep are white, well, whitish if you ignore the poo stains, so they're easy to spot in the dark, but I'm sure you can see the problem. Nanny Piggins looked around at the children expectantly. They looked back, unsure what to say. They could see any number of problems. Well, what happens if you count sheep? asked Nanny Piggins. Oh, I know, said Boris. You fall asleep. Exactly, said Nanny Piggins. It's what ridiculous people tell you to do if you're having trouble falling asleep. Go and count sheep. Although it's farcical advice. Every pig knows if you want to fall asleep, it's much more effective to eat three times your body weight in cake. I challenge anyone to stay awake after doing that. There's a reason why praying mantises fall asleep after eating their mates. There is, asked Samantha. The calories, said Nanny Piggins. Anyway, Bramwell's eyelids started to droop, his head started to flop, and his limbs felt heavy. I'm surprised you didn't just lie down and take a nap, said Michael. You've met Bramwell, said Nanny Piggins. He isn't just lazy, he's very self-indulgent. He would never lie on damp, rocky ground. No, he was looking down into the valley, where there were all those snug, warm homes and comfortable, fluffy beds. That's where he wanted to fall asleep. But he knew he'd get in trouble if he left the sheep unattended. So Bramwell had a brilliant idea. He ran down into the town crying, Wolf! Wolf! Help! Wolf! All the townspeople leapt out of their beds and ran up into the hills to protect the sheep. It didn't even occur to them to lock their doors. So Bramwell found a nice cosy house, went inside and tucked himself up in bed. It was still warm from where the occupant had just got out. The townspeople spent all night searching for the non-existent wolf, and Bramwell had the best night's sleep of his life. Of course, when the townspeople came back to town and found him asleep, they realised what he had done, beat him with sticks and sent him back up into the hills to go back to work. Why didn't they just hire another shepherd? asked Michael. Well, it's so hard to find good help these days, explained Nanny Piggins. You know how much trouble your father had finding a nanny. He found you, said Samantha. Not really, said Nanny Piggins. I found him. He's lucky I took him on. 
Anyway, the next problem was that Bramwell started to get hungry, continued Nanny Piggins. And the thing about remote mountainsides is there are no vending machines, so there was nothing for him to eat. Didn't the townspeople give him food, asked Samantha? It seems harsh to send a shepherd up into the hills without supplies. Oh, of course, they gave him a month's worth of food, said Nanny Piggins. Very tasty it was too. But Bramwell was a Piggins. He has an appetite the size of Mount Everest. So he ate all that food in the first half hour. It didn't even make it to the hill. He just sat in the gutter outside the employment agency and ate it all so he wouldn't have to carry it anywhere. No wonder he was sleepy when he got to work, said Derek. Precisely, agreed Nanny Piggins. So he was up on the hillside, considering how peckish he was, when he started to think about the lovely little chocolate shop he'd just seen in town. It was daytime now, and wolves only attack at night, so he reasoned he had plenty of time to nip down to town and pick up a few essential supplies. Chocolate bars, guessed Michael. Yes, chocolate bars, chocolate blocks, chocolate drops, said Nanny Piggins, all the bare essentials. Didn't he get tired walking back and forth to town, asked Samantha. He didn't mind going down the hill, said Nanny Piggins, because he didn't walk this time. You've met Bramwell, so you know what shape he is. He's literally as wide as he is tall. He has been since he was a piglet. So to get back down to town, he'd just lie on the hill and roll. He was there in seconds. He did pick up a lot of broken twigs and possum poop on his clothes, but it was actually a very effective way of getting from A to B. When he walked into the chocolate shop, he was very pleased with himself and how clever he was. But this is where Bramwell struck his next problem. They'd run out of chocolate, guessed Derek. They refused to serve pigs, guessed Michael. It wasn't a chocolate shop and they only sold vegetables, guessed Samantha. <laughs> shuddered Nanny Piggins. What horrible suggestions. You children do have the most disturbing imaginations. But the truth was even worse than any of those options. The shop was fully stocked with all the most delicious types of chocolates from all around the world. But there was also an enormously long line of customers. Bramwell would have to wait ages to be served. And he was worried he was going to be gone from his flock of sheep so long, asked Derek. Don't be ridiculous, said Nanny Piggins. He was standing in a chocolate shop. All thought of job responsibility and reasonable behaviour had entirely left his mind. He was distressed because he couldn't bear waiting to eat the chocolate. Oh, I know how he feels, whimpered Boris. I feel the same way when I'm in a honey shop. Yes, agreed Nanny Piggins, but you're always polite and wait your turn. Or at least help yourself to everything, then politely pay for all the stock you destroyed and property ruined. Bramwell did no such thing. What did he do? asked Samantha, dreading the answer, but not being able to bear not knowing. He remembered what had worked so well the night before, said Nanny Piggins. He cleared his throat and loudly yelled, Ahem! Wolf! Wolf! Help! A wolf is eating all the lovely sheep on the mountainside! The customers were horrified, said Nanny Piggins. They all ran out of the shop. Even the shopkeeper ran out of the shop, grabbed pitchforks and other implements of destruction, and they all ran up the mountainside to do battle with the wolf, leaving Bramwell to help himself to whatever chocolate he liked at his leisure. He ate and ate and ate. It takes a village full of people wielding pitchforks a lot longer to run up a hill than it takes a pig to roll down it. By the time they returned to the village hours later, 
the chocolate shop had been completely stripped bare. The cake shop too, and the ice cream shop. And Bramwell was lying flat on his back in the middle of the square, groaning. From stomachache, asked Derek. No, from pleasure, said Nanny Piggins, because he'd had such a wonderful afternoon, eating so much he could no longer walk. So anyway, the townspeople chased him back up the mountainside and Bramwell was sitting back with the smelly sheep, feeling very pleased with himself after such a lovely meal when he struck his third problem, said Nanny Piggins. He had a heart attack, guessed Derek, from his high-fat diet leading to arterial cloggage. No, he was fit as a fiddle, said Nanny Piggins. His problem was it began to rain. Now, Bramwell did not care for rain because rain is water and water can cause clothes to shrink. And when you're as big as Bramwell, you can't afford to let your clothes shrink any smaller. So he had to find somewhere dry. He did at first think of rolling down to town, but he'd begun to suspect that the townspeople were not terribly fond of him. So instead, he sought shelter in a cave. Now, caves are generally tremendously overrated. I can't imagine what cave people saw in them. It's probably why you don't get many cave people anymore. There's a lot more three-bedroom, two-bathroom family home people these days because a dwelling with a bathroom and doors has so many advantages. Which is why you'll notice you never meet cavemen anymore because on the whole, caves are grotty. Anyway, this particular cave was no exception. It was dark and dirty and no doubt full of bats and other horrid, bitey creatures. But Bramwell went down to the back of the cave where the cave opened out was a bit larger and here he found a surprisingly comfortable spot. This spot in the cave was soft and warm and furry. Bramwell was just settling in to have a little nap when he noticed that the spot he was settling into was snoring. At first, Bramwell naturally assumed he was the one that was snoring because he does snore when he's asleep. It's a dreadful sound, like a chainsaw cutting through bagpipes. But when he thought about it, Bramwell realised he wasn't asleep. Something else was snoring. It appeared to be the floor. But then Bramwell began to wonder if the floor was in fact not floor. He's not terribly bright, is he, Bramwell? asked Derek. There's a reason that he didn't become a rocket scientist, said Nanny Piggins, and it wasn't just because he couldn't find a white coat that fit. Anyway, Bramwell began to feel around this floor. Most of it was furry, but then he found a bit that was damp and had lots of small, sharp things in a row. Oh no, it's teeth, isn't it? exclaimed Boris. Exactly, said Nanny Piggins. Bramwell had his hand in the mouth of a sleeping wolf. Now, no matter how tired a wolf may be, if you stick a delicious trot of pig in its mouth, it will always wake up quick smart, which it did. The wolf snapped awake and tried to leap to its feet. Of course it couldn't because Bramwell was sitting on it. But then Bramwell leapt to his feet and took off running and the wolf went after him, running fast behind. Bramwell screamed as loud as his lungs would allow. Wolf! Wolf! Help! Wolf! Did the townspeople hear him, asked Michael. The townspeople in every town within a 100-kilometre radius could hear him, said Nanny Piggins. But they ignored him because he'd lied the last two times and they didn't believe his cries for help, guessed Samantha, and all the sheep were killed? Oh, no, said Nanny Piggins. No self-respecting wolf would be the least interested in eating a stinky, pooey sheep. Not when it could have a great big pig to munch on. The sheep got safely away while the wolf chased after Bramwell, desperate to catch him. Bramwell kept yelling, Wolf! Help! Wolf! 
And the townspeople ignored him, guessed Derek. Oh, no, said Nanny Piggins. They all went out to look. They were all so thoroughly fed up with Bramwell, they took enormous pleasure in watching him get chased around and around the mountainside by the wolf. It was wonderful entertainment. The townspeople brought out picnic food and drinks and cheered on the wolf. Eventually, the wolf got a stitch and gave up, and Bramwell was able to run away. To the next village, asked Michael. Oh, no, he was so afraid of the wolf, he kept running straight through the next three villages and the next city and three more countries after that before he felt safe enough to slow down. But wasn't there a happy ending, asked Boris. There was, said Nanny Piggins. The townspeople were all so impressed by the wolf, they offered him a job. Minding the sheep, asked Derek. Don't be silly, said Nanny Piggins. He was a wolf. He just eat them. No, they gave the wolf a job as a PE teacher at the local high school, teaching the children how to run the cross country. Well, not really teaching so much as chasing. He was the most terrifying PE teacher in all the land, which, as you know, is quite an achievement because all PE teachers are terrifying. And the town's cross country team were regional champions for the next 50 years in a row. The end. Time for bed. Thank you for listening to support this podcast. Just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from from across the Pesky Kids, Friday Barnes and Nanny Piggins series. And now there's the audiobooks of The Adventures of Nanny Piggins and Friday Barnes Girl Detective as well. You can order them through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.